anyway, but, um, uh, but it is so awesome uh, that we get to uh, be here in Plainfield, Indiana, in a gymnasium, but get to be able to spread the word, as, as Katie said, all over. The, all over. And, and I know for me, my call in my life, to be honest, is a simple one. I just want everyone to know that Jesus loves them and that they can have a transformed life by Christ. And so I can live by the passage until every knee bows and every tongue confesses that Jesus is Lord. That is what we live by. And that is the passion of this church. Uh, that, but without a doubt, that is the primary passion of this church. Anyway, my name is Alex Hershey. I'm the pastor of this church, and I'm so glad that you guys are all here. You made it through the blizzard of 2023 to be here. Proud of you all. Put the snow tires on. Uh, that's so good that you're here. Uh, also, as you're watching at home, we're so glad that you're watching today. Uh, it is a time where we get to gather and to be reminded of the great love of Jesus, uh, the love that Jesus has for us that transforms us. Uh, I, I just want to say how how happy and proud I am to be a pa the pastor of this church. And uh, over, for some of you, this might be your first time here or you've been here a few times or, or whatnot, but this is the best group of people I've ever been around in my life. The best group. And it keeps getting good. You, if you're like, I just walked in, I'm going to throw you in that too. These are the best people I've ever been around in my life. And and I go back to a classic hymn as I've been reflecting actually over the last few weeks about this. Of, of They will know we are Christians by our, does anybody know that line? How does it end? By our love. Good job. Let's go. Some classic hymns. There we go. But it's true. And I, I truly believe that in uh, a world today that we live in, I think people will know that we are Christians by when they see us together and we are kind, loving, and quick with an embrace. And I believe that I have lucked out as a pastor to be part of a group of people that care about that. I just wanted to say that because I believe it's true. And as we begin this new year and as we begin uh, continuing to have that invitational spirit, we not only invite people to be in the embrace of Jesus, but also the embrace of this community. We don't all have to look the same. We don't all have to act the same. We don't all have to think the same. But we, when we're under the love of Jesus, can be transformed into what he calls us to be and become. That's beautiful. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for bringing us here today. Thank you so much for your amazing love for us. We do continue to pray for your word and your life to be uh, to our neighbor and to the ends of the earth. We desire for people to know you. We desire right now in this as we've just worshiped, come Holy Spirit, fall down upon us. Let your kingdom come right here in front of us. Allow for us to live differently so that we can live in a way that will radiate the love of Christ. I don't know where everybody is coming from in this moment right now. Uh, if we've had hard weeks, good weeks, bad weeks, whatever they meant, but in this moment now, we begin a new week with you. And we ask that our hearts be open to receive and that we are not afraid to be transformed and changed by your grace. And Lord, if we hear anything in this morning, let us hear that we are greatly loved by you. 
how beautiful that is. We thank you that your love endures forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, uh, we've begun this year, and we've been in this month of January, which is crazy to think that we're sort of just strolling through January and thinking about Valentine's Day coming up. But uh, as we've been going along, as we started this year, we've been talking about how do we live differently? How do we live differently in a time that can seem upside down? How do we as followers of Jesus go down the path of Christ and not the path of the world? How do we in our daily grind make sure that we reflect the love of Jesus and not reflect the love of selfish gain? All of these things are 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 important to us, and we can say, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus, and yes, da-da-da-da-da, but we know at the end of the day... Do we truly live differently? Do we live differently for Christ? And that's that's what Jesus has asked for us. So two weeks ago, we talked about Sabbath. Last week, we talked about sex. Yep. And so it's just going to keep rolling on on uncomfortable things a bit to talk about. And today, we're going to be talking about generosity. And what does that look like in the eyes of God? What does it look like to be someone who is willing to give? What does it look like to be a person who chooses to live in the moment rather than reflecting on the past or worried about the future? Generosity is something that we love being around those people, right? I love being around generous people, you know? Like, it's really nice when all of a sudden, like, someone's like, hey, go get yourself an ice cream sundae, you know, and they hand you like five bucks or something. I don't know. I don't know. I would take it though, right? I'm not going to say no. But if someone like all of a sudden covers your bill or if someone just says, hey, why don't I watch the kids while you guys go on a date? We love being able to receive those acts of generosity. Generosity is something that is unique. I think generosity is also, if we're not aware of it, something that is fading in our culture today. And I believe that it is something that I've been reflecting on how this world has been shifting in some ways, how I believe that if we can live into the life of generosity, we are able to see uh, not only who God is at a greater uh, level, but we also get to be able to be Jesus to more people. And that is something that I want to explore. That is something that is exciting to me. When we first moved to our a house. We had been married, we had lived in apartments, we lived in a townhouse, but when we first moved to our very first house, in the backyard there was this little piece of like just I, what you're not sure what you're supposed to do with it land, you know, there was just right there by a deck and there was a sidewalk to the garage and so I was like, I've always wanted a garden, all right? And so I remember the first full summer that we lived in that house I, like, went out there in the spring, right? And I think there's old teachings of, like, go out on Ash Wednesday and get everything ready. And I think I followed this, like, routine of some kind. And I dug up the ground. I don't know how many of you are gardeners, so you can come up and correct me later. You can. That's fine. But I dug up the ground. I tilled the ground. I got it all ready. I mapped it all out. I had maps. And if you know how, like, that's not normally me. But I was all in. And so I had maps, and I had carrots, I had all of the, not all the carrots, I did have carrots, but I had all of the vegetables, like, written out. And I remember going and getting the seeds, and I remember even having, like, cool little sticks, or I think I even, it was, I was intense that year. I went and I got, like, 
heavy-duty popsicle sticks or painter sticks, and I labeled them all, and I wrote up strings, and then I learned, to pl- I learned how to do this. And I learned that you, if you can be generous with your seeds, right, as you're sowing, and see what you get, you can either thin them out so that your cucumbers won't overtake each other, or that your zucchini will just be enough, right? So here we go. We're talking vegetables. I can't get away from talking vegetables the last couple of weeks anyway. But so, so we have this. So I would map this all out and had it going. And I was pumped. I was generous with my time. I would wake up in the morning. I would look out the window. And I'd be like, anything, anything, anything. And I'd get so excited if I saw something pop up. I'm like, boom. There we go. I know what I'm doing. And then I would be, I'd come home from work late at night. What didn't matter. I'd go out and I'd pull the little weeds. I'd take care of everything. Uh, Granted, let me just put this in a time frame. We had one kid at that time and he was not even two. So anyway, and so I'm like, well, checking everything out. Have all the time in the world mapping this out, loving it, go mow, put the clippings around the plant so it looks all good, making sure the str- if the strings need replaced, we want because we want to keep these rows nice and there. And then I found out about miracle Grow, and I was like, I'm all in. I'm sorry, organic people, whatever. I was like, all in. Let's make the miracle grow. Let's get these plants going. Let's make them look good. So I, like, went all out all summer long. Even when I was a, had to go to church camp, I'd come back and I'd take care of this. And, man, that first year, I put a lot of time in it. I put a lot of energy in it. I put a lot of miracle grow on it. And I, at the end of, as the summer, July kicked in, and that was the end, I mean, we had a harvest. We had a good harvest. We, I was freezing bags of tomatoes. I mean, I was on, Krista was making pickles. We had it going on. We were like mom, Paul, little house in the prairie. It was amazing. We didn't need grocery stores. That's not true. But we were rocking it, right? But what I learned in that moment, in that year, especially as I reflect back on it, is the amount of generosity that I put into that garden, we were able then to reap a harvest, right? The amount of energy that I put in sowing those seeds, the amount of energy that I put in making sure that everything was just right, the result was great. It was great. Generosity works this way. It just does. When we are generous with something, often we see a return. When often we aren't generous, we could get a return, but it's not often what maybe we desire. So today we're going to look at what does it mean for us as followers of Jesus to live generous lives, to live into a life that I believe that God has called us to live. Now, when I talk about generosity especially in the church. I don't want you to start thinking about we're going to start a campaign for a jet or that the Hershey's need a golden bathroom. I don't know. I'm not talking about any of that stuff. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is how can our church continue to be generous in a way where we can make an impact here in this community and around the world, right? That's what we're talking about. And one of those things that I believe that Jesus talks a lot about, we see the government talk a lot about, We even see Pink Floyd have a great song about it, and that is money. Everybody talks about money. And we can't be be afraid to talk about that. Jesus talks about money just to straight up because he doesn't want it to rule our souls. We read a passage that already said it'll just rust away. Where is your heart? That's what we're going to look at today is where is our heart? 
But I like to say I have to get my Pink Floyd quota in for the year, so I figured I'd get it out of quoting Pink Floyd. But I love this stanza in the Pink Floyd song, Money. He says, money, it's a crime. Share it fairly, but don't take a slice of my pie. Money, so they say, is the root of all evil today. Song written in the 60s, 70s. I didn't do my research. I just listened to it. It's older than me anyway, but this is a great song. This is a great song. But I love this part because I think often we do that. We say, oh, I want to be generous. Well, maybe don't take what I, my pie. I don't know. I would prefer like a cherry pie. I, I know. Anyway, I love cherry. Okay. Anyway, but then, but then also, we also see the Pink Floyd. This isn't the church because I don't think God has this, this, he says, the root of all evil today. I mean, some of us may say that Pink Floyd is a, are great theologians, but whatever. I don't think they are. But anyway, but they, they're the ones identifying that. They're the ones that didn't find it. I don't think when we look through the scriptures we ever see that Jesus says money is evil. We don't see that. However, what we do see is that we can see that money, money can be tricky. Money can be tricky, and money can make people trickier, right? And so when we have this understanding of it, it can be something that is, is something for us to, to really begin to want to understand. And John Wesley, I haven't quoted him this year, and he's my favorite dead theologian, and so I have two quotes by him today. So here's the first one. And as we begin to look at this, I think we, we want to understand it. So um, it says this, earn all, he says this. I'm going to jump on a slide here, Jay. I know, I know. All right, I am? I, maybe it's not even in there. I'll just say it. Earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. I, really, I don't think I put it in, Jay. My apologies. Oh, my goodness sakes. And so anyway, but he says this, and I love it. He sort of, when he talks about money, he just says, earn all you can, save all you can, give all you can. I love that simplicity of that for our minds. That's something that I think it doesn't mean we can just sit around and not do anything. It doesn't mean we don't think about the future. But it, it, and it does mean that we have to be generous. So all of these things are important. And so the scripture that I want us to look at today, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up. I love the Bible. The vital Bible is where we find the source of all things. This is it. And so if you have your Bibles, open them up to Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. And we see in this moment where Jesus is sitting with the disciples and he's sort of just observing in the temple, which, which, is, which is fun. I, I just, as I read this, I think that Jesus and the disciples like just got a latte or something and they're sitting in like a little cafe. But it's also weird because the temple is like set up in a way where you can watch people give money. So we don't do that here. But anyway, that's how the temple was in this moment. And it says this, it's all about the widow who gave two copper coins. Some of you are familiar with this. And so let's hear it. It says this, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put it in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more in the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty. But in everything, all she had to li- put in everything, all she had to live on. You know, this can be a passage that I could like twist around and be like, and before any of you leave today, give us all of your money. But that's not what this passage is about. This passage is more on the lines of look at this woman's faithfulness. Look at this woman's heart of where she is. She is not 
flashy. She is not all about the Benjamins. She is about an act of generosity. And what I would like to call it is that she is an act of some simple, the simplicity of generosity. And I believe that she also demonstrates this way of learning how to be in the moment of giving. To be in the very moment of being a generous person. I think something that is happening right now is that uh, not just with, in terms of finance, but in terms of our lives and wanting to live differently is that it can be easy to look backwards and it can be easy to look forwards. It can be very hard to live in the right now. I could be generous in this moment as I see someone on the side of the road, but I have to get to this appointment. And by appointment, I have to get back to watch a Netflix show, right? It can be tricky in those moments of how do we live in that time. And I believe what we see in this moment is that we see someone who chooses to live out her generosity because she knows the moment is powerful. You know, this passage isn't about amounts or configurations. It's about, are you able to have a generous spirit? It's about her heart. How does she give? As she lives in the moment, how does she give? And it goes back to just this understanding of what is she sowing in her life? What is she about? She's about God. There's no arguing that, is there? The others who have more than enough money that are just throwing it in, cool. But with her, there's not even a question of what her heart is for. It's for God. Powerful. You will never reap an abundant harvest unless you sow generously. And so, how do we be a generous people? How do we do this? And, and I, I, I'm going to quote John Wesley again. He says this, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. That's pretty cool. To live differently means that when we've taken our Sabbath and we've rested, that we go and say, my heart is all in where you, Lord, for you, Lord. Help me to be generous with what you have given to me. Help me to be able to be one who has a giving spirit and not one that has a fist that holds on to it. Now, um, it's been a few years, but I've had to learn that uh, when I used to play softball when I was in my 20s and I uh, had to retire from baseball, like high school, you know, for some reason, no one wanted me to play after that. But anyway, but then I moved into the advanced sport of softball. And I know that when uh, I was in my 20s and I went to go and hit the ball, my whole point was this. I'm going to swing as hard as I can, and we're going to watch how far the ball is going to go. Often the ball didn't go far, but that was just stay with the story here. But I would still, I would, and I, every once in a while, I'd get a hold of it. I'm like, oh, I'm the strongest ever. Until recent years... I would go and play softball, and my whole strategy shifted, right? To because maybe I wasn't strong, maybe my technique wasn't good, maybe I was a tad slower, you know, whatever. And so, and then my mindset, instead of just hit it as hard as I possibly can, the whole mindset as I stood in that batter's box 
Well, one, besides don't embarrass yourself, was two, just put it in play. This is what you got now, Alex. Just put it in play. That probably should have been my mindset the whole time. But anyway, I think that's sort of where we are with how are we being generous. I've heard so many people say, well, when I hit the lottery, that's when I'll start giving. When I get that first job, that's when I'll do this. When I finally make this amount of money, it'll all be okay. When I finally have time, that's when I'll volunteer. I've heard it all. I've heard it all. But I think as we look at this widow and we look at her heart, she was just putting it in play. It's like, this is what you've given to me. I'm going to be generous back to you. And that's what my thought is, you know. And, and Krista and I, we made, you know, a, a, a long time ago in our lives, we have tried to create boundaries in, in all areas of our time and our energy. But with our giving, it was always going to be the configuration that we saw in the Old Testament. We're just going to give 10% no matter what. And we made that decision with just having whatever we got from our wedding and moving to Kentucky into an apartment the size of this iPad. Uh, Maybe the size of this. Anyway, but we just did it. And we just always have. Through the diapers, through job changes, through preschool costs, through it all. And that's just something that we've done. And I'll tell you, it's not up here like, oh, look at you. No, it's, it's, it, all it is is just for I know where our heart as a married couple is. We want to see the mission of God advance here on earth and see the kingdom of God reign in people's lives. And that's something early on that we decided. And this is something that I think for us is that we have just said, Lord, Thank you for the blessings. But we understand this. I think I can speak for us. I should have run this by you, maybe. But we've realized that what we have, large or small, is more than enough. It's more than enough. God has given us more than enough. All we have to do is just stare at the cross and be reminded that God has given us more than enough. Everything else is icing on the cake. God has given us more than enough. That has helped us have a generous heart and a generous spirit. I don't think there's a 12-step plan. I don't think I think all it is is allow for God to stir in your heart. Allow for God to open up opportunities for you to be generous at your workplace, generous to those around you, and generous to the kingdom of God. And you will reap what you will sow. And people will scratch their heads at you sometimes and say, why do you do that? So I choose to live differently. I choose to follow Jesus. Would you pray with me? God, you are good. And Lord, you are the one who gives more than what we ever could imagine. You have been a blessing to us. And we are reminded through the sacrifice of your life upon the cross 
that you've given it all. And for us in this moment right now, we desire to reflect your image to this world. And your image is one of generosity, is one of giving, is the one of allowing for our hearts to be changed in a way so that we can live now and forever. And so help us to seek first your kingdom and all your righteousness and all of these things will be given to us. For you are good. But let us, let us be people who live differently and live with generous hearts in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As we come to the end of our service today, we take communion here at the branches every week. And how we do so is that as the band plays uh, the final song, we just come forward and we, we, grab, we take uh, the elements in the cups, which is the juice and the bread, which represent the body of Christ and the blood of Jesus. And then we go back and we sing the song. And then we all take, after the song is finished, we all take communion together. And so I just want to be able to remind you all that through the sacrifice of Jesus, we are saved. Through Christ dying upon the cross and defeating death with the empty tomb, we experience salvation. And so no matter what sin there has been in your life, we are able to repent and be made new. We get to have new life in Christ. No matter what, the grace that we sang about in the first song is amazing. And that grace is for you. Would you pray with me? Oh, holy God, bless these elements. Allow for them to represent your blood, your blood and your body that was spilled and broken for us. Allow for us in the stillness of our hearts to confess anything that we put in front of you and help us to be reminded of our salvation in you so that we can be made new. We thank you so much for Jesus, who is our Savior. In your name we pray. Amen. We do this because we believe. We believe that this life is not the end. We believe that life is forever. And so let us fully give to God, letting us know daily that our sins are not greater than God's grace for us, that we can be transformed and made new. And so, friends, we now leave, which is odd when you go to a place because this is the most important part. Thanks for being here. More importantly, that you leave. Maybe when you have some company over. But anyway, but in this moment, we're so glad you're here, but let us now go. They will know us because we are Christians by our love. Let us leave this place sharing the love of Jesus to all those around. And those who are experiencing darkness will see the light of Christ in you this week. Let us go with Jesus. Amen.